I want, I want to use a, I want to use a bad word. I want to use a bad word. And can I do it? I mean, we're this early in the show. Um, we don't have to really worry about monetization on YouTube. We don't run any ads. But it seems like uh, Jaheim Bell is running like a bad mother. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fleckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Hear the Spear, presented to you by NoGaming.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening, back on our Wednesdays. And man, oh man, there's a lot to talk about, and it's going to be heavily dedicated to Florida State's fall camp as they're closer and closer to kickoff going against the LSU Tigers and Brian Kelly and Orlando Looking forward to getting down there in just a few weeks. But with me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at nolgenby.com. And down below is Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer. Gentlemen, we are heavy into camp. We're now almost halfway through it. How are we feeling? Feeling like we've seen a lot of football over the uh, the last two weeks or so. You know, Florida State wrapped up on Wednesday morning their 11th practice so far, preseason camp officially over the halfway mark now as they uh, continue to start looking towards LSU and, you know, another scrimmage coming up this weekend. I think FSU, there's going to be another week of practice next week and a scrimmage after that. And then, you know, we'll see what happens if they start preparing for the Tigers. We're close. We're what, two weeks out? A little, over. a little bit, a little bit longer. But, yeah, a little bit. Over, but we're close. Yeah. It's feeling good. We're, we're we're trimming down the days, baby. We're trimming down. Yeah, Florida State wrapped up a practice, two practices in Jacksonville. They also wrapped up a scrimmage on Saturday night. We heard from Mike Ravel and the assistants will be going diving into deep with the scrimmage and what came out of that. And then we're going to talk some fall camp standouts what we're seeing, who's looking good, uh, if there's any concerns here and there. Dustin's going to give us analysis on that uh, On that front. Uh, we've also got some NFL preseason Knowles. Dalvin Cook just found his new home with the New York Jets. He actually just arrived up there today with New York. So Austin's going to talk about his former star who used to be with the Vikings, now finding his new home and joining Aaron Rodgers. who are, They're trying to make a run this upcoming season. Uh, we've got the AP poll that has been released. We finally got uh, official a uh, top 10 matchup between Florida State and LSU. And then we've got some basketball news to also chat about before the episode is over. So as always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hanging out with us, hit that like button, share it with your friends. Make sure you hit the subscribe button too because there's tons of content going out, not only just our live 
videos, but we've got shorts that we're posting all throughout the week, along with interviews after practice, some of those that you definitely don't want to miss. So make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube and also on the podcast platform of your choice. So let's jump into it. We've got a lot to discuss. Let's jump right into it, Dustin. You and our guy Tommy were both in Jacksonville in attendance for the practices over there, which Mike Norvell and his staff like to do before every season, kind of just getting acclimated on the road, getting out of their comfort zone a little bit, getting getting out of Tallahassee. They're all put in dorms. The players, I think, are 50-50 if they like it or not. But nonetheless, hearing from Jordan Travis, it seems like it's good for the team overall. Uh, and, you know, some really good practices came out of it, it seemed like, uh, last week, Dustin. I wouldn't say it's 50-50 on whether they like it. They 100% like what's going on the field, and I don't think that they're having a good time uh, staying in those dorms. I mean, I can only imagine some of those beds when you're talking about giant football players over at uh, UNF. But, I mean, it was exactly what Mike Norvell wanted. Um, I'm not sure how many people got to hear from him last Wednesday after when he spoke after practice, but – Head of that Jacksonville trip, you know, he said he wanted to be hot, humid, and really competitive. And I think that's exactly what Florida State got out of uh, Thursday and Friday at UNF. I mean, the sun was out, you know, not very many clouds. The temperatures were up. It was definitely very humid out there. You know, we saw guys getting tested by the elements. But, you know, the team just really – and I said it last week, you know, just the competition from top to bottom. They were just really – getting after it. It doesn't matter if you have the starters out there, or you get down to the second, third, fourth team. I mean, these guys are just all out there competing, working for these jobs. And I mean, as far as the two days at Jacksonville, you know, it takes a little bit more for your star players to stand out, you know, when we're watching these practices and making observations, noting guys that have had good days. Um, Jordan Travis had a couple of good days over there at UNF. And I mean, he looked like the guy that we've talked about coming into the season, the Heisman candidate, that we're all expecting to see. I mean, at least, especially during Thursday's practice, he was absolutely locked in, just dicing the defense up during the uh, seven-on-seven portions and also during team drills. And, I mean, he's carried that a little bit into this week as well. Today was another really good practice um, for Jordan Travis. And then sticking with the offensive side, tight end Kyle Morlock. Uh, I don't want to say it was a quiet camp before UNF, but whatever he did in Jacksonville, I mean, keep on doing that, Kyle. He just – Absolutely took it to another level, was making some really tough catches out there. You know, you're talking about a six foot six tight end coming from the D2 level. You want to see some consistency this preseason as he adjusts to uh, the FBS level of competition. And he's definitely settled in as of late. I think those performances in Jacksonville really helped with his confidence. And I mean, he was just catching everything out there, whether he's posted up on safeties or linebackers or anything, you know, outside on the sidelines in the middle of the field corner of the end zone he had a really nice catch so he was all over and he's another guy that's had a good start to this week so I mean there were some really um exciting performances for Florida State and Jacksonville some stuff that makes you feel good moving into the second half of this preseason what I'm excited for is seeing Kyle Morlock get into this offense more it seems like with the addition of Jaheim Bell and you're adding Kyle Morlock here who's developing inside this system I think that was someone early on Dustin and YouTube easy, we were talking about it, you know, maybe not so much of an impactful player in 2023, but another season in 2024, he could be that guy. But just to have him starting to get into the mix more and making some plays left and right, adding that with Jaheim Bell and Artie, you know what you've got with Biscuit with Marquise and Douglas, it just goes to show 
how, how, how nasty that tight end room is. And just, I love how coach Thomason talked about it in his interview. He he talked about how the different uh, variety of talents that you can bring against a defense with the, with these uh, tight ends. There's just so many different kind of attributes these guys can bring against uh, their opponents. Uh, It's great. But just to see Kyle Morlock, I was noting down here in my notes from your practice updates, him getting into the mix more and connecting with his uh, quarterbacks is, is big for what Mike Norvell likes to do in his offenses. The versatility has been on display. You know, you have Kyle Morlock out there who we've been talking about six foot six uh, is really a receiving threat. And I mean, can really work all over the field as a receiver. You have a guy like Jaheim Bell, who's, you know, more of a six three, but he's a versatile Swiss army knife that you can throw across the offense. You've got Mark Easton who can still catch the ball despite being 285 pounds and is going to be your primary blocker in there at tight end. And then Preston Daniel has also, come along and had some uh, had a really good practice yesterday. I mean, his best of preseason camp where he was extremely involved. So, I mean, the versatility of this tight end unit is something that Florida State hasn't had during Mike Norvell's first three years with the program. I mean, this is exactly what he was talking about when he came into Florida State. You know, this is a guy who loves to use tight ends in different ways. Well, he's got four of them that really have four different skill sets and that you can throw in there at different times. Um, you know, it's got to be exciting to know that one through four – you know, you can put any of these guys in there and they can all find a way to produce um, relative to, the, to their own skill sets. So um, Coach Thompson was excited yesterday talking about those guys. Mike Norvell's excited about that tight end room. And uh, just to gush about Jaheim Bell a little bit more, you know, Coach Thompson said yesterday that he's squatting over 600 pounds. You know, they're working on getting him involved more as a blocker. We saw it today with him taking a defensive back just – driving them all the way to the sideline and a run to the outside. But I mean, man, I want to, I want to know how much this guy bench presses because he came across the middle of the field today, caught a pass, went to the sideline and absolutely stiff armed a defender into the dirt. And I mean, it's a second straight day where we've seen him put that hand out and just put a guy on the ground with it. So like I said, one through four in that tight end room, you're going to really like watching those guys play. I want to, I want to use a, I don't want to use a bad word. I want to use a bad word. And can I do it? I mean, we're this early in the show. Um, we don't have to really worry about monetization on YouTube. We don't run any ads. But it seems like uh, Jaheim Bell is running like a bad motherfucker. That's what it seems like right now. It seems like he's hard to tackle. Nobody wants to go at him full on head steam. And, you know, I think he brought that up too after the scrimmage. On Saturday, on Saturday night, night he talked uh, with Adam Fuller about it, um, and he said, uh, your defense might want to work on tackling me better. And I thought that was a great quote, him and Adam Fuller. Adam Fuller said he laughed at it a little bit, but honestly, <laughs> defense, a lot of defenses are going to have trouble with Jaheim Bell this upcoming season. He, he's If you look at him, getting to see him in person too, he's, he's built – physical freak already but just to see what he's able to do downfield come down with the ball and get these defenders off of him he's an extremely physical player but you know having that strength I would also like to know his bench press it would be nice to add to my collection of notes here uh so if you could ask that next uh practice that'd be really nice of you Dustin but you can already tell 600 pounds yeah he's got a strong base and it's not easy to take him down but just adding that with, with this combination of what Mike Norvell was able to do with just the talent he was given last year and building that into what could be available, adding more locks potential as well as really fun for what uh, this offense could hold in 2023. 
it's it's more than exciting because you already have a stacked wide receiver core. You know what you have in the backfield um, in those in those running backs, you know, even beyond Trey Benson and Lawrence Toafili. Obviously, Jordan Travis is behind center. And then you've got a really experienced offensive line. So, I mean, you're looking at Florida State's offense and you're like, where's the weakness? And, I mean, right now it's hard to find one when they're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, and, and I want to go through a couple other notes here too before we like dive into some of the scrimmage stuff. Uh, DJ Lundy is someone we saw improve last year in coverage, but from what it seems like in your reports – Lundy has been sticking around really well with some of these targets that the quarterbacks are going after. And, you know, I think that's even, it's even more interesting to me because he's added on size and we know that he's really shredded and put on, put off some bad weight, but for him to make this improvement, be able to get better and, and only show more signs of improvement and coverage is gigantic, gigantic for Lundy. Cause I think some people just kind of overlook him LB3, whatever, you know, he's just going to be there for a depth piece. He comes in when, when Deloach and Tatum Bethune are tired. But Lundy's a pivotal role in this defense for Randy Shannon and Adam Fuller. It's been, it's been fun to watch. You know, he had a really big hit in Jacksonville. And I don't want to say that was one of the first times I noticed DJ Lundy in camp. But, I mean, ever since that hit at UNF, he's just become more and more active. Um, over the last couple of days, you know, today really stuck with Jaheim Bellwell on a uh, route during one-on-ones and actually ended up forcing a completion. But um, yeah, on Tuesday morning, you know, DJ Lundy, it's just, it's impressive to watch that development over the years. Cause there was a time where, I mean, he was a liability in pass coverage. And then you're watching on Monday morning, DJ Lundy perfectly stick with a running back out of the backfield. Um, Kaiseah Holmes, or I forget it was Kaiseah or Trey Benson working downfield, but either way, I mean, a speedy guy coming out of the backfield and DJ Lundy is right with them there on the sideline. And then, I mean, later as practice is uh, about to conclude, I think a quarterback kind of took a shot towards the sideline and DJ Lundy read it perfectly, came up, went vertical, ball hit him in the hands and just right, just bounced off barely. I mean, he almost had the pick. But the signs that we've seen from him in camp, you know, behind Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach, having those three guys back in that linebacker room is going to be huge for Florida State. I think it says a lot about Randy Shannon that he's continuing to – get a lot out of these guys. And I mean, it's not just DJ Lundy, you know, Blake Nicholson has had some really impressive strides over the last uh, week or so. Um, Justin Juice Cryer, the Northwestern linebacker transfer, who's a true freshman, you know, has flashed consistently, I would say as well over the last week. So, I mean, guys just keep popping up, which I think says a lot, like I said, about Randy Shannon, what he's been able to do there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, developing there, and I think, too, you think of, too, uh, in the defensive back room, Rawls, who is showing some flashes as well, Dustin. Yep. You know, there's some guys at Florida State as a staff, they saw talent and might not have the craziest stars and projections there, but once they get in-house, they're able to make some nice developments, and I could go specifically to that linebacker room. I thought we saw some impressive improvement in play last year from that group, but having Lundy have those strides is I think gigantic because you want to have this whole room healthy because of the amount of experience that they're going to have. But uh, you know, that's also a big time leader on defense. I think one that kind of stood out to me too. And the notes here is uh, a wide receiver who has been dealing with injuries since arriving in Tallahassee. And that's Joshua Burrell. Uh, Just seen a few notes from both you and Tommy and a few things on Twitter as well. 
Uh, Burrell is someone that I've been pulling for for a long time. And, you know, I think Mindrevel and the offense have been trying to figure out how to utilize him the best. We've seen him in the backfield be used. And then he's, you know, originally at wide receiver, but seems like sticking more at the wide receiver unit as he should, in my opinion. But coming down with some nice physical one-on-one balls, Dustin coming down with some big snags and putting some putting some good routes on some of these DBs. I like seeing Burrell make some strides. I don't. He's not going to be a guy that's going to make an impact, a pivotal impact in 2023. But he, he could be someone that will be he- that could be heavily in the mix for for 2024. But I, I like just seeing him uh, get up there and, and make some plays. It's something that we just don't talk a lot about Burrell during camps, and I think that's worth saying something. I'm happy for the kid because I mean, like you said, he was kind of a non-factor, an outlier, if you will coming into this preseason for Florida State, someone that we didn't, you know, whenever we previewed the wide receivers, I don't know if we talked about Joshua Burrell or if we did, we didn't spend very much time on him. And, you know, it's nothing wrong with the kid. He's bounced between that wide receiver and running back position during his first two years at Florida State. Seems like he's settled here at receiver um, ahead of year three, and he's had season-ending injuries in each of his first two seasons. I mean, he's just been set back. But, yeah, he's coming to fall camp fully healthy and – you know, he wasn't someone that we were specifically watching out there, but then Joshua Burrell just started making plays, whether it was one-on-one, seven-on-seven, team drills. I mean, he just consistently began to pop up over the course of some practices. And, I mean, you're seeing some momentum there. Uh, he's starting to develop into that. You know, whenever he came out a couple of years ago, he was a really highly rated receiver and someone that we thought could develop into a possession threat for Florida State. You know, maybe not an elite athlete, but someone that can get in there with his frame and make tough physical catches, and that's exactly what he's brought to camp so far. Um, Mike Norvell, I think, is seeing the developments there with Joshua Burrell and has even gone as so far as to test him. You know, at UNF, they're running team drills uh, in the red zone, and Norvell actually switched out a receiver with Joshua Burrell late in the play, and I think within 10 or 15 seconds of him getting on the field and lining up, they snapped the ball, and the ball actually ended up going from Jordan Travis to Joshua Burrell, for an, uh, an extremely contested catch down there at the uh, the corner of the end zone. And he, he came down with it for the score um, this week as well, you know, continuing to make some flashes there and team drills and seven on seven and things. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a starter for Florida State in 2023, but he's definitely beginning to put himself in position to, hey, you know, maybe we give this kid a shot in an actual game. Look at what he's showing us in practice each day. Yeah, I think I would love to see him hopefully get some opportunities this season, get some chances, because I think he is one of the most gifted whenever he's getting a chance one-on-one, and I give him a strong chance. He's got some really strong hands to Lou. Remember freshman year when he came in, he stood out in one-on-ones, and he was coming down with it. He just has dealt with injuries, lingering injuries, but to see him fully 100% is huge. He was getting meshed around a little bit with the running back room. He, Getting him a chance in, in a game this upcoming season, I think, will be huge. I hopefully we'll be able to see a lot of youngsters too that haven't gotten a lot of playing time, a lot of college experience, get in there and 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 play because we got to start evaluating going into 2024. As much as you know, this 2023 season is gigantic, and you want to stay and this year alone. I'm looking at 2024 where there is going to be a lot more question marks because you will lose a lot of talent upcoming with this NFL draft. You've got older players moving on as well, so. Uh, I'm looking at Burrell as being a guy that could potentially make his mark going into 2024. Um, VZ, do you want to test your mic now and see if we're we're back fully in function? Yeah, is this better? Can y'all hear me at all? <laughs> I can I can hear you. I just got to turn you up a little bit. 
Hold on. Sounds like you're in a fishbowl. Yeah, well, that's what happens when my current microphone breaks. So hey, but it but it is working now. It did have a, what a couple of years working wise. Yeah, couple years. Yep, but we can hear you fine now. You're perfect. Okay. actually. I'll speak up a little bit. Uh, but we were we were talking a little bit about. I know you were wanting to talk a little bit of the tight end room there. We were talking about Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock and how that was going along. We talked about DJ Lundy as well and, and coverage, and we already saw upside with him last year. But just to see him really gliding right now in camp in the same way is, is huge for, for Lundy. Well, now it's gone. Now the mic's gone somehow. It was just working. Now it's gone. But you can, can jump, jump in, in whenever. Back just, to this mic, maybe? I, we can hear you now. Yep, we can hear I that. don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> we'll I, yeah, from what Dustin's been saying in the practice notes, DJ Lundy's looked really impressive uh, in coverage. But, you know, what I'm most impressed with is Justin Cryer. You know, everyone was crying about him as a take. <laughs> and here he is all over the football field making plays. From a true freshman, it's exactly what you want. Trust like the theme of this staff and, like, Going yeah. against FSU it, Twitter. Eventually, the people are just gonna be like, "Oh yeah, the coaching staff might know what they're doing. Maybe one day, maybe might be football coaches." Whereas yeah. we just sit back and we try to act like we know what the heck's going on. Like, just let the coaches maybe do what they're doing. I mean, we haven't seen a game be played yet. It's just fall camp flashes, but still, just to see answers being made and some some plays being made from these guys that are doubted before they even step the foot on the field is. Really nice to see. You saw it with Trey Benson last year. Now it's Justin Cryer this year. I hope he makes just as big of an impact. Uh, some some uh, a unit that is making some plays all throughout camp, uh, and I think it's really going to be uh, really telling too of maybe some that will make an impact in twenty twenty three. This young defensive back room, man, how exciting is this? I feel like I have not seen as many takeaways posts ever in my life of Adam Fuller posting them almost every evening after camp <laughs> by, by these freshmen, what's going on, what's happening. Who's throwing these balls. I know you can't put them in the reports, Dustin. I put some of them. Yeah. Like I need what's going on here. Either something badly is happening in the quarterback room or this, these guys, coach Sertan has got these motherfuckers juiced up on something. Cause just to see, you know, uh, Edwin Joseph making plays who literally just arrived a couple months ago. Like, is this kid just nonstop watching film in the film room? You got Conrad Hussey who just literally got here too, and he's grabbing multiple interceptions in Jacksonville. He does it again in practice today or yesterday. Like, what, 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 what's going on here? What's happening? I'm, I don't know. Coach Sertan, it hasn't even – coached a college game and these these guys are out here making some crazy plays I, I mean i saw it firsthand so i've already got that in my mentals already but just to see it continue i thought okay had a flash cool kid it's first day of camp you're gonna grab some interceptions for the offense but that's just continued to be a regular theme so far they've uh come in and work i think that was kind of how shaheem brown put it last week whenever fsu wrapped up one of the practices at UNF, but I mean, these guys have come in with a chip on their shoulder and, you know, they don't look like your typical uh, freshman out there. You know, we'll include Ashlyn Barker into that mix. He's a redshirt freshman, but uh, didn't play last year during his stint at junior college. Um, 
Quindarius Jones and KJ Kirkland were obviously with Florida State during the springs. I mean, they've kind of been going through things. And I mean, we saw them during spring practice. We kind of knew both of those guys uh, were dudes back then. But now you have Edwin Joseph and Conrad Hussey, Jabril Rawls, and like I said, Barker come in. And, you know, the four of those guys, despite not getting the luxury of going through spring practice with FSU, just haven't they haven't missed a beat I mean they've come right in you know the first day of practice I think it was that athletic pass deflection from Edwin Joseph on the sideline where you almost got creamed Logan so I mean from the very first day of practice you know these true freshmen have been asserting themselves and I mean I think you got to give credit to those guys and then also what coach Sertan is doing over in that defensive backfield because really the entire unit I mean from top to bottom has been extremely competitive and consistent throughout fall camp of course you're going to lose some battles when you're going up against Florida State's wide receivers you know Johnny Wilson Keon Coleman and the like but I think you know it's really just iron iron sharpening iron in in this camp you know some really great battles between these uh, defensive backs and wide receivers Um, and at the same time I feel like I don't know if it's the coaching from coach Sertan or what but feels like their ball skills have improved. These DBs are not waiting for passes to come to them. They're going up there and taking the football like they're the wide receiver. Um, AZ had a really nice pick. I think we talked about it last week potentially, but he had a really nice pick. You know, one of the ones from Hussey at UNF was he baited the quarterback to throw into the end zone. It kind of made it seem like he wasn't going to be able to catch up. And then he somehow undercut the pass and uh, picked it off. Today, Jabril Rawls was able to get one that was actually thrown to a receiver, bounced off their hands, and he was right there to pick it off and take it back for, I mean, what would have been a pick six in an actual game. So they're getting in the right position. And, I mean, when the ball comes their way, they're making the play. But um, at the same time, I try not to get too caught up with the interceptions. You know, it's one thing to be throwing the picks during team drills, but with some of these coming during one-on-ones and seven-on-seven, don't think it's as much against the quarterbacks as just some of these guys going out there and making plays. But, you know, I will say Jordan Travis has had a couple turnovers here and there, but he's been pretty solid for Florida State throughout camp, especially as of late. Mm-hmm. And KJ Kirkland is one that we saw in spring of la- uh, this last spring that was impressing, which was nice. Uh, and, you know, it just goes to show, you know, some good coaching here. And I'm really interested to see how that develops into a game where you're going to be going against some really nice talent that LSU always has in that wide receiver unit. So uh, you're going to have a true test of still, you're going to have your solidified starters with Akeem Den Shaheem up there. But also, too, to have Shaheem Brown be a leader that he's turned out to be, you know, tell us a little bit about that because we saw that in the spring. We saw that even a little bit last year, too, as well, from being a youngster, being vocal. You know, I can see where that helps and gives some upside to that younger defensive back room that needs it. They need that hands-on, a guy leading them throughout practices, giving them tips, do this, don't do that, and also lead them off the field. Shaheen Brown has really turned into a leader, not only in the defensive back room, but as a defensive player overall on this team, which has been really nice to see. Uh, extremely talented, uh, super high ceiling, too, and I think a big big season's ahead for Shy. He worked on his body, too, thinning up a little bit. I think he's going to work east to west even faster than how he did last year, which was crazy to watch. I always go back to that Florida play where he had that deflection on Anthony Richardson's ball, which could have been a massive play when it put Florida State in a tough spot in that game back in Doe Campbell Stadium in November. But, uh, yeah, Shaheen Brown just seems like he's been more of a vocal guy and something that is needed for that defense in the back end. Like you said, he stepped into a vocal leadership role 
Um, this preseason seems like he's just becoming more and more comfortable in that defense. And especially with Jamie Robinson moving on from Florida State, uh, you know, the Seminoles needed someone to step into that spot, step up as a leader in the defensive backfield. And seems like Shane Brown is going to be that guy, you know, constantly see him whenever he's not in, you know, over on the sideline. He's out there helping the young guys get lined up, pointing out certain things pre-snap. It's very impressive to watch. And, I mean, the same thing, got to point out Kevin Knowles as well, another guy who's just going into his third year at Florida State, um, converted to safety, obviously, coming into the preseason, has showed some impressive flashes at his new position. But just like Shaheen Brown, I mean, the thing that catches my attention the most is just to see these guys, when they're on the field, they're making plays. But when they're off the field, to see how they're working with these young guys and you know, still staying engaged despite not getting a rep. It's extremely impressive and, and just goes to show, you know, what Mike Norvell and also Adam Fuller on the defensive side have helped implement at Florida State, kind of that trickle-down effect, and it's paying off. Yeah, it's coming in big time uh, for FSU in that secondary as we're seeing some plays being made by some of those youngsters. Uh, there, there's a question in here that I wanted to bring up from Sean on Facebook talking about LSU and it's crazy. We're getting close to where we will be previewing that game very soon. And this will be a big question mark is, you know, LSU is dealing with some injuries right now in that secondary. We put out a piece uh, last week about this and, you know, Brian Kelly acknowledging one of their players, Ohio state uh, uh, corner that transferred and fighting for a starting job as well. Uh, went, uh, went down, down with, with uh, you know, really impactful, severe injury. Um, and it seemed like there was another one that went down. I've not been able to check up with the LSU beat. Need to read up on some of their stuff today. I think it was Denver Harris that. Uh, I don't think it's an, it's an injury. It's more of he's away from the team uh, right now for some stuff. Mm, mm, interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, like we were, we, like we've been talking about. I know that you know you, you put out a piece, Dustin, and you know if everybody reads the practice reports, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson could be a ridiculous tandem for any kind of defense in the country to cover. So you can just already think ahead of what you know what, what Mike Norvell is wanting to do going into this game. You know, we saw where Jordan Travis was finding strides and being a good game manager while we were in New Orleans last year. So just thinking ahead, you know. LSU dealing with a few things here and there in that defensive back room isn't going to help anything whatsoever. Um, but uh, I just thought I'd bring that up on on the uh, stream just because it's going to be a topic that we're heavily going to discuss when we preview that game. It's definitely going to be something to monitor over the next uh, couple of weeks. You know, we'll see if those guys are able to make it back into the lineup. I'm not sure if either were for sure starters, but, you know, guys fighting to be in that too deep, but I mean, regardless, you know, it takes away some depth from LSU. Like I said earlier, right now for Florida state, there's not really a weak point on that offense when they have everything clicking and they're in sync with one another. I mean, the wide receivers having Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman across from each other, you know, it, it can be pretty fun at times. Then you throw in a guy like Kentron Poitier or, you know, Winston Wright, even Destin Hill, who has had his fair fair share of flashes during camp Uh, and then the tight ends you know the versatility that we went over there for a little bit earlier in the show Um, it's going to be something for any defense that Florida State faces to be worried about if they're not up to full health Mm -mm. 
Uh, there's a couple questions in here regarding Keon Coleman, Dustin Hill at kickoff and also to punt return. But I want to get to that discussion after what we heard from Mike Norvell after the first scrimmage, which we're about to discuss in just a minute. There's a few more things I want to bring up, too, and probably uh, VZ will agree on this. A lot of chatter about Keziah Holmes in here, someone that we haven't been able to see playing a game yet. But uh, Holmes and Holes just seems to be a good rhyme here because that's a guy that hits the holes just perfectly. Whatever hole, left hole, right hole, multiple holes, if needed, he's going to hit the hole, and he could be a home run hitter. So that's all I'm seeing. Uh, Holmes and Holes, baby. That's just something that's, that he does a really good job of hitting. That's one way to put it. <laughs> um, it it's uh, been shout out to Kalen LeBourne, baby. Shout out to Kalen LeBourne. It's been an exciting preseason uh, for – Kaze, I think I talked about him a little bit last week, but you know it's really just his patience. Um, obviously, he's got some home run, home run hitting ability, but just the way that he um, sets up runs with his patience, you know, waiting for blockers to get in the right position. Or we've seen some plays where he kind of improvised a little bit. You know, I think there was a toss outside last week where there were two defenders there waiting for him, so he decided, okay, I'm going to cut back inside the defense and cut back, found a hole. And I mean, was just gone into the secondary. Some, some really exciting uh, characteristics uh, on the ground, you know, still improving as a receiver and you know, we've seen him get better in that area, but there's still just some times where the ball bounces off his hands. But I do think traditionally, you know, he fits into this Florida state offense really well in that running back role behind Trey Benson. I think Rodney Hill would, uh, continues to fit perfectly behind Lawrence Toe Philly as kind of that tailback. But I mean, he's really a hybrid. He can be a tailback. He can be a running back. So Florida State, you know, the, the competition in that backfield is pretty exciting uh, with both of those guys, along with CJ Campbell working for that spot in the rotation to replace what Treshawn Ward brought to Florida State a year ago. You know, I would say so far through these first 11 practices, I don't think anyone has really separated themselves from another player, you know, seeing some some really good battles here throughout camp. And it's also fun watching just these guys root for each other. You know, even when Kaiseya Holmes has a big play, Rodney Hill's out there rooting for him. Same thing when Rodney or CJ have a big play, just these guys all love to celebrate and see each other have success. So, I mean, as much as they're competing, it's, it's fun to see that part of it as well. Uh, BZ, do you like seeing Holmes hit his holes? Well, I hope my mic works. That's all I'm hoping for right now. As long as Logan uh, doesn't talk. Yeah. Norville is going to get all these uh, running backs on the field between Tofili, Benson, Holmes, Rodney Hill, C.J. Campbell. It's just so much talent that he's got to eventually use. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just sticks to two or three guys. But there's so much talent from between – or the way Kazai Holmes has been playing, you got to find a way to get this guy on the field. You just have to. Man, it's going to be tough in that rotation. Man. It's just wild to think that – uh, Holmes is finding his groove, and I just want—I I just need to see him in the game. Finding his holes, too. And you got to remember, too, in his class, he's one of the top-rated running backs. I mean, people forget that's now in the stable of David Johnson and Mike Norvell's offense, which has been lethal, lethal in developing running backs. No matter if you're a freaking walk-on, if you're Dustin Lewis getting back there, you could probably grab at least 22 yards a game. Like, that's saying something. It's a running back factory. It, it, it literally is. Could give Yak and Coach – Dugan's the respect is much needed but yeah that running back room is just stupid loaded and I'm interested to see if he could be a breakout star in this offense and understanding where Norvell can work him the best 
Uh, I just have some question marks here. There's a few more that I have just practice wise, Dustin, and I'm seeing a lot more chatter of do span. And I'm just wondering how, what kind of chatter is this? Is this like, we're seeing some really significant strides from last year in him, or we just seeing, you know, he's using his athletic ability like we were seeing last year during camp or it's like he, one thing about him is that it's taken a little while for him to get this system down. And, you know, he's developed from, you know, a quarterback over to wide receiver and understanding what he needs to do wide receiver wise and routes and cutting where he needs to be. And that's something that Mike Norvell has pressed on him heavily on along with coach Dugans and understanding where he needs to be route wise. But I'm just wondering if that's someone that we should see get jump into the mix more, or if this is going to be just another year where we don't get to see, you know, the freaking action because he's so much fun to watch and practice. There's no joke about it. He's, extremely gifted and he's got all the physical attributes but i just think it's more of a mental game and him understanding the reps we all know what happened last year against miami on the road and you know him and norvell having that moment there and it was really just specifically about not running the right route or you know there was a missed assignment there by him but he went out there and, and capitalized and responded well but i'm just wondering if we're going to see the next step from Deuce Van, because he's maybe one that is forgotten from this wide receiver room. There's a freak athlete in that wide receiver room. It's not a Keon Coleman. It's not a Johnny Wilson. It's not uh, Destin Hill. It's it's Deuce Span as being one of those guys. I think it's possible. You know, he's another guy that's come on lately for Florida State. You kind of pointed it out. Um, this is a guy who's still, as far as when you think about people playing football from middle school to high school and to college in the NFL. This is someone who's still extremely very early on in their career to the wide receiver position, you know, was recruited as a quarterback out of high school, ended up switching to receiver for a year at Illinois prior to transferring over to Florida state. So he's only at the beginning of his third season as a wide receiver. And I definitely don't think he's mastered the position yet. You know, that's going to take, years and years of continuing to train that position and route running and, and different aspects of being a wide receiver, but he's getting closer. I mean, we've seen some strides there. Like you said, Logan, the athletic ability is something that you cannot deny. I mean, when, I mean, when six, six foot five, five Deuce span gets span out into the out. middle of the open field, he's gone. There was a end around at practice last week that I think he took for 60 yards. And I mean, he was pretty much waving bye-bye at the defense coming after him. When he gets out there and he makes one of those plays, he's gone, but it's just, consistently putting it together between the lines, you know, I think it was yesterday. And I mean, today he was pretty impactful as well with some uh, really big catches, but you know, yesterday you see him make a play. And then, like you said earlier, Logan, you, you see a mistake and you see the coaches having to go over there and fix things. So it's really going to be about Deuce's consistency over the back half of this preseason camp. If he can continue to stack together good days, good moments um i think florida state is going to put him out there and give him a chance especially alongside with what you have and johnny wilson keon kentron i mean you can put some really tall athletic and fast dudes out there on the field um deuce man is definitely an interesting one to continue to monitor i, I was going to bring up that end around he seems like one of those guys that even if they don't use him as a receiver right away they're going to try to find a way to just get him the ball like I said, at that size and speed, you've got to you got to figure out a way to use it, whether it be on you know kickoff returns, end arounds, jet sweeps, something. He's just too freakish to not give the ball to, even if he does make those simple mistakes that you know can get ironed out throughout the season. He's got to have the ball at some point. And I think that's, I think something, that's something you'll probably see Florida State experiment with into the the season, and you know see how it goes those first couple of games, and see if there's a role that they can give Deuce Span behind some of the other guys in that room. 
two things. Ayobame Tafase and Byron Turner. What can you say about those two for FSU fans who are looking to hopefully see them make an impact in, in 2023? Both different players in their regard and what they are going to do. You know, Byron Turner hopefully going to be able to jump into that rotation, make a really immediate impact because he's got to, you know, outside of like Gilbert Edmond, the South Carolina transfer defensive end, he's going to have to step up. And we've seen that him make those steps. And then for Tafase, you know, with Daryl Jackson's situation going on and not getting the appeal to that waiver from the NCAA, you know, you're looking at some of the youngsters to step in and like specifically Tafase and Daniel Lyons, who I'm really high on. But I'm just wondering too about these that I think FSU fans are also putting inside their head before they head into the uh, 2023 season. I think it's safe to say Byron Turner Jr. has probably been one of your breakout players of preseason camp. So far, it really seems like the light has turned on there over the last couple of weeks. You know, there were some flashes early on in the preseason, but especially, you know, the last five, six, seven practices, you're seeing Turner Jr. consistently make his mark. And, you know, we're going to talk about the scrimmage, but it sounded like he did that over the weekend. You know, Mike Norvell, Adam Fuller and JP all really gushing about his performance. And one thing that really stood out to me was, I'm listening to uh, Coach JP talk about Byron Turner Jr. And, you know, he said after the scrimmage, some of his teammates actually came over to Coach JP and, you know, were complimenting about Turner Jr.'s performance and letting them know, like, how good of a job he's done and that they've noticed it. And JP said that seeing, seeing and hearing that kind of stuff from your peers can really give you a boost of confidence. And that's exactly what I'd say we've seen Byron Turner Jr. come in to this week with, especially today. I mean, he was all over the place, especially – I don't know why I keep saying especially. He was all over the place um, in the passing game and also in the running game. You know, there was one really impressive play where he wasn't blocked initially off the snap and noticed the run was going to the backside and then was able to slide laterally, work his way down, and uh, stop a running back, you know, for a very short pickup right there at the line of scrimmage. Um, Had another one. Jordan Travis was rolling out towards the side. Byron Turner Jr. was on. He locked up with Jaheim Bell, drove Jaheim Bell back into the backfield, which not many people are doing that. Shed off Jaheim Bell and then hit the running back as well before tagging Travis for a sack. Um, Had one where he collapsed the pocket and allowed Patrick Payton to get in there for a sack. So, like I said, the light is beginning to turn on for Byron Turner Jr. I think Florida State is cautiously <clears throat> cautiously optimistic about what he'll be able to offer on that uh, defense and in the defensive end rotation this upcoming season. But Mike Norvell, again, you know, had some really positive comments about him on Wednesday morning, and we'll see if this carries over into the second scrimmage as well. But I think, yeah, he's got to be on that list right now for breakout players of preseason camp. That's great. That's great to hear. Uh, let's jump into scrimmage real quick. Uh, that was a lot of great insight there for fall camp, almost a full 50 minutes of it. So if you're just now joining us on YouTube or Facebook, uh, make sure you jump over to the early portions of this, or it will be uploaded on all of your favorite podcast platforms and the audio version. Also, before we jump into scrimmage thoughts, 
and scoop from that. Uh, we've got our Discord too, which is being heavily used right now. A lot of conference realignment talk right now, but a lot of fall camp updates going on in there. Recruiting continuously is jumping. And then once we get into season, we've got live channels for you guys to jump in there and utilize for you. So there's over 2,000 FSU fans in there. I'm dropping links inside of the YouTube chat for you guys. So make sure you guys go jump in there. It's free to join and is the biggest FSU community on Discord. So make sure you can also go down into our YouTube description or podcast description and you can join there for free and hang out with us as we go into a big season for Florida State in 2023. Uh, let's talk this scrimmage. We uh, talked with Mike Norvell almost around like 10 o'clock. It felt like it practically was, but Florida State wrapped up a scrimmage. The number one thing I always take away from these is health and, you know, just observing from what we heard from Norvell and the coaches. It seemed like, yeah, some guys got dinged up here and there, but for the most part, uh, you know, everything kind of came out healthy wise. You know, there'll be some guys that will be watched and, monitor going into some of the practices coming up but and happening now but coming out of that healthy and that's something that Mike Norvell even mentioned to us saying is a lot different than what was going on last year and this point where a lot of guys were dinged up and or a lot more severe injury wise so biggest thing with that you don't want to have any kind of injuries definitely with starters you want to make sure you protect your starting quarterback as well and you know Florida State in the years past has had some kind of bad luck on that front but um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, just first thing, you know, Jaheim Bell was mentioned as making some serious plays. And that's one like I was bringing up earlier where Mike Norvell had uh, or Adam Fuller talked with Jaheim. Jaheim came up to him saying, you need to uh, maybe have your defense tackle me better and was just obviously joking around, but maybe was making a pretty good point where we saw a little bit of that last year where tackling could have been a tiny bit better in some cases. But yeah, Jaheim Bell making some plays uh, for for Florida state. And then I think too, one thing that stuck out to me, Dustin, during the interview was, you know, Florida state was down and made a drive uh, on the defense. And there was a fourth down stop by the defensive line. And that was supposedly huge during that scrimmage. And uh, a lot of excitement came out of that, but then the offense responded and on their drive, they ended up going down there and making a score. And so a lot of good competitive battles, usually sometimes when we get out of these scrimmages, Dustin, we hear offense kills it or the defense kills it, but it seemed like this was almost like an even matchup for the most part. Norvell mentioned defense having a good night just to start off with the press conference, but still it seemed like the offense was able to respond to some of those plays that were being made on the defensive side by Adam Fuller. I said it earlier, competitive from top to bottom. And, you know, it's consistently what we've seen from these practices and heard from the coaches in the scrimmage. And, I mean, just back and forth battles. You know, the defense has their moments. The offense has their moments. Um, that's a sign of a good football team when one side is not consistently dominating the other side. When you're seeing that a one unit can have a bad drive out there, but then can respond on the next one to uh, make an even bigger play. So, you know, to me that just says really a lot about the talent and the depth that Florida State has on both sides of the ball with their ability to just keep going at each other no matter the result. You're muted. Once a pod. Once a pod. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm trying to copy you. I think I'm trying to see if I'll be muted or if you'll be muted this time. I'm we're just trading shots at this point. Uh, but just a few more things I wanted to note from uh, Mike Norvell over a hundred friggin' plays that they were able to get in. I think that's super impressive and huge for Florida State, both offensively and defensively. Man, that, that is a lot of plays that you're able to make, and I think that also goes to show too of how well you're, you're three deep, even you're two deep, but understanding the system and understanding the playbook, able to get 100 plays is uh, pretty pretty impressive to me, and that stood out. Uh, Adam Fuller also talked about Western Michigan defensive tackle Braden Fisk, who I'm surprised we haven't talked about, we didn't talk about earlier as much, but Braden Fisk, uh, Adam Fuller said, Braden's the real deal. He's going to have a big role on this offense, and he made that straight defense. up. That comment, I said defense. No, you didn't. I did say defense. No, you didn't. I did. Say, why would I say no? Offense? You didn't. You didn't. I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering the, same the same thing. thing. I would have you to say offense. You, I said you defense. did say offense. No, it's VZ's mic cutting in, and it's making my mic come off wrong. All right, we'll pull it up. I was on mute that whole time, so that is your mic. Forty-six. Forty-six thirty. The comments will let us know. Chat, let me know. Let this dumbass know. And make sure, make sure you're smart in the comments too. Uh, but yeah, he's gonna make a big impact on this defense. Big role. Um, Seemed like Brandon Fisk played. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Of, huh? There you go. Check the comments. Uh, no, nah, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Y'all are hearing things. That's glitching too. Up, oh, rain, storming a little bit here. It's just glitching. My mic's off a tiny bit. But uh, yeah, Brandon Fisk, the real deal. Has he looked like the real deal to you, Dustin, though? Yeah. You know, Brandon Fisk on the defensive side of the ball at Florida State playing defensive tackle. He's. He's looked pretty solid um, during preseason camp. It's really impressive, you know, a guy who's six foot five, three hundred pounds. Um, he's out there. I want to say he still has a winning record against Mike Norvell in the race. I mean, making that one hundred yard dash, um, and then seeing it on the field as well. You know, his ability to pursue guys downfield. Um, if he's on the opposite side of the play, he can work across the the other side of the field pretty quickly with that athleticism. And then on the other end, I mean, just straight up bowling guys over. Uh, when he needs to as well. So, you know, we didn't get to see a ton of Braden Fist back during the spring since he was limited with that shoulder injury. But since he's worked his way back, you know, he's consistently been in the mix in that interior for Florida State, uh, popping up during these practices day in and day out. And I, I think I would agree with Adam Fuller. From what we've seen recently, Braden Fisk uh, on the defensive side of the ball at Florida State, he's the real deal. Can we talk about how Logan Cherry picked the one comment where the yeah, guy said defense Terrell, compared to the eight that said you said offense? We know Terrell, what I think Terrell had the right comment. It seemed like that was – I didn't see any other ones. Uh, this is actually a nice donation. I need to give a shout-out to 813, who's in our Discord as well, always showing some love. Throw, to, throw us a 50 bomb, but then also James B. throwing a 25 bomb. Appreciate that big time. But he's asking here about Nicholson. Dustin, you commented on him a little bit earlier, but maybe just more in depth, how much of a flash has he made in this defense coming in from the West Coast? He really showed up, too, uh, impressive-wise, size-wise, sticking at 225. Seemed like he's acclimated pretty well um, inside Randy Shannon's linebacker rim. Yeah, didn't get here until the summer. So, I mean, a little bit behind as far as the defensive system and still trying to get all the concepts down, the playbook at Florida State you know, not as far ahead as some of the guys that got here in the spring in, in that regard of things. But the skill, the athleticism, I mean, there's one or two flashes of practice where you're like, 
all right, in a year or two when Blake Nicholson gets everything down, he's going to be really good uh, for Florida State in the middle there. And, I mean, it's just his ability, his quickness. I mean, there's been a couple times where he's literally just gotten right through a gap on the offensive line before they even have a chance to block him, get in the backfield for a tackle for loss. Um, Yesterday, actually, Jordan Travis was on a rollout, and you had Blake Nicholson come inside from that linebacker spot, realize Jordan was rolling out, and, I mean, practically chased Jordan Travis down. And uh, I can't remember if he ended up getting credited with the sack or if Jordan threw it away first. But there's not many guys on Florida State's defense, whether they got here in January or they got here a couple years ago, that can chase down Jordan Travis uh, when he's getting outside the pocket. Now, today, Jordan got him back a little bit with a juke move. But, yeah, so far with what we've seen from Nicholson through 11 practices, I mean, it seems like Florida State – got themselves a good prospect for the future. Uh, Terrell's saying you, Dustin, others hearing is off. He said defense. Terrell, we're, we're going to have to check your hearing. <laughs> uh, another thing worth mentioning here is the punt return. There's a question here from one of our listeners asking about, you know, who's going to be the starter kind of, and along with kick return, but I thought it was pretty Noteworthy to hear Mike Norvell mention Keon Coleman, the Michigan State wide receiver transfer, mentioned first when talking punt return. And seems like Norvell likes what he's seen from the transfer. Uh, and, you know, I think this is something that we weren't particularly maybe expecting for Keon Coleman's role. Bigger player, bigger body, longer, um, you know, maybe not just the most shiftiest guy, but. You know, he's seen some, you know, Coleman, too, worked on his body a lot this offseason before coming here a little bit more shredded in the play he was working with or the body he was working with up there at Michigan State. So maybe that plays a factor. But, you know, losing Micah Pittman last year, a lot of reliability. They're looking for someone that just has the good catch radius and come down with it and not give away the ball. But Keon Coleman seems to be that first name being uh, put out there, at least at punt return right now. We've heard of a few other players as well getting some PT back there too. Yeah, so far during preseason camp, Keon, um, Destin Hill, Lawrence Toafili, some of Winston Wright, those have pretty much been the guys taking the majority of reps at punt returner so far. You know, it hasn't, hasn't been an area that's inspired 100% of my confidence so far. Still too many punts right now that are hitting the ground and, you know, you're hearing Mike Norvell and Ron Dugans get on these guys. Uh, it's definitely a little scary for Florida State, you know, not having a guy on this roster that has returned to punt in their college career, at least at Florida State. And, uh, you know, ahead of this LSU game where I think everyone remembers Malik Neighbors muffing two punts that Florida State was able to recover. Now, they didn't turn that into points, but, I mean, that was a crucial part of the Seminoles eventually coming out with a victory against LSU. So, I mean, it's definitely – a little worrisome right now. You want to see some more consistency now that we're getting into the back half of camp. You know, I will say as far as the guys returning punts, I think Keon is probably, probably muffed the least out of all the guys that we've at least seen go through those uh, repetitions to this point. And, you know, we'll see what happens there, but I, I have to think, you know, it's kind of like Trey Benson at kickoff return. If one of these big time playmakers on offense wants to contribute on special teams, I'm all for it, especially when you're talking about Keon Coleman. Uh, you get a six foot four punt returner, um, a guy who's very natural in the open field, 
and obviously has elite athleticism at that size. I think, you know, when one of your best skill players wants to contribute on special teams, you're like, how do, how do we get you to do that? And getting Keon Coleman, not only having him as a wide receiver, but also having him potentially as a weapon back there at pump returner could create some exciting plays for Florida State. I would say last year, as far as punt returns, we saw a lot of consistency. You know, Micah Pittman didn't muff any punts, but at the same time, he didn't have a lot of huge, exciting returns. And, you know, that could have been because he was dealing with that torn hip labrum at the time. But I think if you put Keon back there, it's a little bit riskier potentially as far as muffing punts. But when he is able to break out into the open field, that's going to set your offense up uh, even more so. I said the only big play we can remember on punt return last year was the NC State game, right? But they did the fake and Ontario Wilson ended up bringing up the sideline. That's, that was the really was, only standout, right? There was one other one at Doke. I can't remember the game. Might have been like Louisiana or something. But he had one that he almost broke in Tallahassee. Didn't quite get it there. But I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. Florida State defensive coordinator also mentioned Gilbert Edmond after having a great week of practice and is coming along, it seemed like he had some flashes in scrimmage too, which is something that FSU fans would be excited to hear about, put on some size uh, during the spring. And so uh, someone that is going to get into that rotation, no matter what this upcoming season behind Pat Payton and Jared first, uh, Adam Fuller also mentioned to KJ Kirkland, Ashlyn Barker and Conrad has, uh, Hussey as players that will help in that safety room that could play an impact too. If help is, is needed, those guys could come into the rotation as well. Um, he said that he really liked what he's seen since the beginning of camp from those newcomers. So uh, a few takeaways from what Adam Fuller had to say, uh, but I think the funniest part was whenever Jaheim Bell said that his defense needs to tackle better. So, um, but depth, depth is a big part too. And in this defense, he said that in his opening comments there saying, I think our depth is showing up in camp and sure enough, some of these second stringers, even some of these third stringers coming and making flashes as true freshmen newcomers is, is really nice to see. That's where you're at as a program. Whenever you keep a majority of your coaching staff around and Mike Norvell's here going into his fourth season, you're building a lot of good depth that you can rely on and some with some good experience too. So uh, I think that's uh, a good, good sign there for at least defensively from Adam Florida, what, what he saw on, on the defensive side. Yeah. There's definitely some things that they work that they want to work on and clean up. I, you know, Adam Fuller kind of keeps it straight up with us all the time. It's not always going to be, Rainbows and sunshine, but uh, just at least from a couple of the players that we've been monitoring that we think are going to have to play a role in this defense and make an impact, those guys are being named and being named early after the first scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, it's a little worrisome for Florida State coming in, having to rely on those newcomers at safety, but they've made all the flashes so far, all three of them, like Coach, uh, like Adam Fuller said. And, you know, I think that there's – a possibility that all three end up playing a role, whether it's in that two deep um, at safety or on special teams for Florida State somewhere. I I would say KJ Kirkland, Conrad Hussey, and Ashlyn Barker are, are definitely going to play a decent amount of football for the Seminoles in 2023. And they've identified these guys, you know, realize that they have the potential to develop into impact freshmen immediately. And I think now, these, this last half of preseason practice is going to be more about starting to figure out, okay, where does this guy slot in on the depth chart? 
Um, you know, is this guy ahead of this guy or should he be behind behind this guy? So I think the next 10 or so practices and, and these last two scrimmages that Florida State has before they play LSU are going to be huge in ironing out the uh, the two deep, you know, not only on defense, but also on offense as well. There's a question here from Rem Station on YouTube asking, uh, isn't Winston Wright a solid option at punt return? And I think whenever he arrived in Tallahassee, we thought that could be a possible spot for him. He was, of course, getting reps at kick return too, but really it's always been about health and reliability there for him. And, you know, one big thing for him recovery-wise was cuts. And, you know, I always think of punt return guys that are shifty back there and they're using their legs quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's better options at least for right there. You know, I think he could be a reliable option and at least catching the ball, just like kind of how Micah Pittman uh, was serving at the time. But, you know, really it's just evaluating and making sure, you know, Winston Wright is a full, full go. I mean, that's just been the big question mark for him all throughout since arriving at Florida state, you know, like I said earlier, for to say they're repping multiple guys at this spot. They're really trying to make this a open competition as they replace Micah Pittman, who was a very solid option for the Seminoles at that primary return spot. Winston Wright, he's been involved in that. I would say that Keon Coleman, uh, Lawrence Toafili, and Destin Hill have probably got a little bit, a little bit more reps at that primary return spot. But Winston Wright, you know, continues to take reps for Florida State special teams unit on kick return as well as well as punt return. So, I mean, they are definitely evaluating him in those spots. Mm -hmm. uh, and just one last thing here to note from the scrimmage from my end is uh, Alex Atkins. Uh, he mentioned Jaheim Bell, said he was, he's hard to tackle, but then also mentioned Robert Scott as someone that's ahead of schedule and his recovery. Uh, which is a big sign for Florida State and what they want to have at offensive tackle, building their depth there with an experienced player that already knows the system and Mike McGall's mm -hmm. offense and, you know, understands what Coach Atkins likes to do. And we know Robert Scott being a really intelligent player, too. They would like to have him as a full go soon. And we'll see what his availability will look like at the beginning of the season. And then uh, Coach JP, you know, Florida State's defensive ends coach and special teams coach, uh, talking about Byron Turner, uh, being one of those players that flashed. I know you talked about him earlier, Dustin, during camp uh, and, you know, evaluating him and those flashes being made, but to also see him make those jumps and scrimmage is a great sign for someone that is going to be in this rotation too, just like in Gilbert Edmonds' role and the D, D end unit. Which is... How do you want me to start with that? <laughs> <laughs> you went two separate directions. Um, I will say again, you know, the coaches were very impressed with what Byron Turner did in the scrimmage. I think Norvell today called him, I don't want to say the breakout, but I mean, he, he had some very, very positive comments about Byron Turner and his performance um, in that scrimmage on Sunday night. It sounded like he was potentially maybe the most impressive edge rusher that uh, Florida State had out there on that night. And like I said, J.P., um, had those comments where he said his teammates came up after and were really excited about the performance that Byron Turner put together. And I think that's only going to increase his confidence moving forward. And, you know, the more that he has this success, not only in these scrimmages, but also throughout these practices, the more his confidence is going to continue to grow, the more the light's going to continue to uh, turn on for Byron Turner Jr. 
And, you know, Florida State, they're not looking at him to come out and be their starting defensive end. But if he can slot in there behind Jared Verse and Patrick Payton, you know, him and Gilbert are fighting for that third spot. Adam Fuller did say on Sunday night that uh, Byron Turner Jr. is currently in that fourth spot for Florida State in that defensive end rotation. I mean, that's what we saw last year. It was basically a four-man rotation where they were flipping two at a time um, on that defense as far as the defensive ends. And Byron Turner Jr., he's got that role right now and you know he's gonna have to hold on to it over the next 10 practices but a lot of potential with that kid obviously has dealt with some injuries earlier in his career that have kind of set him back to this point but the strides have been made um, during the offseason and preseason camp and they are more than noticeable and then going over to the offensive line um, Mike Norvell actually noted, you know, Florida State dealing with some guys in that unit that are a little bruised and banged up. And those are just kind of some things that can accumulate over the course of a preseason camp, especially with Florida State. You know, if you count today, the last five practices have really been in full pads. So guys getting after it, especially when you're talking about the trenches, um, a, a really deep Florida State offensive line going against a really deep defensive line as well with what, what's over there on the interior and the defensive end. So some guys have been banged up. You know, they're working themselves back into the lineup. Um, it sounds like Florida State's expecting to get some guys back this week. You know, you noted what Alex Atkins said about Robert Scott and his return to play. He, he looked pretty solid out there to me, you know, still shaking some rust off at times after missing the spring. But, you know, there was there were some positive moments during uh, Wednesday's practice for Robert Scott. And, you know, I try not to worry – about uh, a lot of those guys on the offensive line because I feel like they're going to be ready to play come September 3rd. Well, it seemed like a nice scrimmage for the Seminoles. Uh, health is the biggest thing. So yeah, one more thing. From, oh, you got another thing? Go ahead. You I got one more. You want. Let's, uh, let's finish it off with Brock Glenn because Mike Norvell, again, you know, he, he had some really positive stuff to say about Byron Turner. I think it was even more positive for a guy like Brock Glenn. Um seems like Jordan Travis didn't really do a whole bunch during the scrimmage. They really wanted to test out these other quarterbacks, you know, Brock, Tate Rodemaker, A.J. Duffy. And Mike Norvell said after the scrimmage, you know, Brock Glenn really impressed him with some of his mental decisions. And uh, that mental maturity for a true freshman has been extremely impressive. Said that based on what they thought they were getting come out of high school, Brock Glenn probably a little bit ahead of schedule right now and I can confirm you know he's been very sharp for Florida State this preseason it's been a little surprising whenever he has a quote-unquote bad day out there at practice but another guy where you're seeing some tremendous strides since the spring as he's gotten deeper into this playbook for Florida State and I mean he's just going out there and competing and delivering and providing some consistent performances for FSU day in and day out Obviously, no one's pushing Jordan Travis for the starting job, but just with the flashes that he's shown along with what you have and Tate Rodemaker and what he was able to do during that game at Louisville last year, you got to feel comfortable with, with what you do have in the chamber behind Jordan Travis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I I've definitely it was nice to see what Rodemaker was able to do, but I would like to see someone jump. And if, if Brock Glenn can continue to make those strides, I heard Norvell talking about him, you know, just – having a lot of praise for just understanding when you make those mistakes, just learn from them. And, and one thing he's not doing is doing the same mistake over and over again. So Mm -hmm. uh, a nice sign there from a youngster. Yeah, And I think, I think he had his best single throw 
of camp today on just an absolute dart down the seam to Jaheim, who caught it in stride and took it in for a touchdown. So another guy who had a very good impre- uh, a very good performance during that scrimmage and has carried that confidence into this week and taken advantage of taking advantage of it. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap up fall camp inside scoop there and our scrimmage chatter. But uh, we got a few things just to go over real quick. Some quick hitters. Florida State, the AP poll came out. It is going to be confirmed a top 10 matchup for Florida State and LSU. Florida State coming in at number eight and the LSU Tigers at number five. So, Already, I mean, so many different storylines going into this one. The Tigers looking for their revenge. Florida State looking to hopefully make a run here. Could this? Could both these teams see each other later on in the postseason? Who knows? But uh, this one, two potential Heisman quarterbacks going at it as well. Two crazy college football defenders, top of their game, uh, going at it as well from LSU and FSU. So uh, a ton, a ton of good storylines going into this one. So don't really need to say any more about that to hype up this game, but a top 10 matchup for Florida state and LSU on Labor Day weekend on that Sunday. Um, and then I'm trying to think we, we've got a couple other things. We'll talk some NFL preseason knowledge real quick. Dalvin cook, VZ, your guy has found his new home. And not just your guy, every FSU fan as well, but he's going to be joining Aaron Rodgers. I think this one we kind of expected a little bit. Uh, It just seemed like they just had to work out some money things. But uh, officially arrived in New York today, Dalvin Cook is a Jet. Thoughts on that one, BZ? My first initial reaction was, why couldn't he have done it a week sooner when the Jets were practicing in Charlotte? Uh, little, Little selfish reason. It, that offense should be fun. If Dalvin's even, you know, 80% of what he was two, three years ago, that's going to be a really fun offense between Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson. They have a ton of talent all across that offense. And if Dalvin can slide in with, with Brees Hall and some of those other guys, it's going to be going to be a very entertaining offense. And I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to watching them play. I don't know how to feel with Dalvin on one side and Aaron Rodgers right next to him. Um, it should be should be entertaining at the very least. The, the Jets are certainly going for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dalvin to the Dalvin Jets, to the and Jets. then we got a few other things too. We put out a piece of uh, what Jermaine Johnson put in a crazy lick on the number one overall pick, Bryce Young from Alabama. He's with the Panthers now and got absolutely rocked out of his mind. Welcome to the NFL. Jermaine Johnson, here's a little gift here. But if you guys haven't, I highly suggest go watching that highlight. That was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Poor Bryce Young, man. He was getting leveled all game. Just lick after lick. His offensive line was doing him no favors. But Jermaine Johnson put on a good move on that left tackle to spin inside and get inside of Bryce Young. And I think, too, it was null on null damage there because – Oh, was it Cam Irving? Cam Irving. Oh. Yeah, Cam oh, Irving. No. Yep. It was Cam Irving, Irving taking on Jermaine Johnson. Everybody knows Cam Irving's name, 2013 national champion. Good people, too. Got to meet him a couple of years ago at Kenny Shaw's camp. But, yeah, Cam Irving was uh, in the protection mode of Bryce Young there, and Jermaine Johnson got the best of him and got to the quarterback. So – I'm sure they had a good film room in there inside that offensive line room up there in Charlotte. I'm trying to think of some other things that stood out from some of these preseason knolls. The Jameis throw to A.T. Perry was a great throw right over the head of the defensive back, and A.T. Perry made a good adjustment to catch it for a touchdown. 
Yeah, that was good seeing Jameis take care of the ball, doing his thing. He's also having a nice camp as well, man. I, I, I like the demeanor he's going on. I know exactly what he's doing. He's uh he's competing and he's you know, he's always been a great team player and such, but you know, he, he's striving to make sure his self is better to get ready for whatever's next for him in his career. But um, if anything happens to Derek Carr, you know, this this Saints, just looking at a lot of the comments and posts and such, this this New Orleans city really likes Jameis. So things end up not doing so well for Derek Carr, which Derek Carr also had a nice preseason game as well. But um, if it's ever Jameis and it's his time to jump in, you know, this crowd is going to go wild for him in New Orleans. Don't worry. Dennis Allen will never put Jameis Winston in as long as Derek Carr's on the roster. I, I, I mean, don't that man, that, that coach. he is in love with Derek Carr. Mm. He was he in give love him with Andy Dalton, too. He would give him a ring if he wasn't married. Plus, he they just gave, they just gave him a big contract. There's going to be some politics there at some point. I just couldn't believe I was watching the game. Jameis led the touchdown drive. On the very next drive, they had a third and seven from, like, inside the 35. And they're like, okay, let's run a draw. What are we doing, Dennis? I mean, just sabotaging Jameis's drives out there. <laughs> That's Dennis Allen for you, man. That, that coach irritates the crap. If it doesn't work him. this year. He's got two first names. Yeah. If uh, if it doesn't work for Dennis, Dennis Allen this year, he should be long gone because I don't know what they're doing with him. I don't know what he's doing with the play caller. Um, I'm trying to go through a few other things here. Nothing too crazy from some other Knowles and the preseason outside of Jermaine. Jameis, you know, Jalen's still recovering from his injury. I've really liked what I've seen from Pokey. I really want to – I need to uh, I need to watch a Chargers game. I don't know who when they're playing this upcoming weekend, but uh, I really want to see Pokey try to get into that mix as well because he's had a ton of flashes in L.A. and we've been posting about it, but – uh, he, he he's supposedly been like one of their star players of camp so far, kind of like how Devin Tompkins and like Trey Palmer have been here in Tampa. So some to monitor of hopefully making that 53 man roster. Seems like he's got a chance. Um, mm-hmm. One of the only really undrafted guys for Florida state in this uh, draft class that's still sticking around and, you know, the chargers could use him, need some help at a wide receiver. Yeah. So, We'll see if he's able to take advantage of it. I think teams have to cut down on August 29th, and I could see Pokey making it into the back end of that L.A. Chargers roster, maybe practice squad, but he's definitely got enough talent to stick around. I think we also need to give love to Ja'Shawn Corbin, who had a nice 33-yard run for the Giants the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for him. Another guy sticking around. Yeah, see what the Giants can do after a nice surprising year last year. Never know. Never do know, but we'll see a lot more of some former Knowles get into the mix probably in week two and and week three. We'll see what happens there. Uh, and then there's some basketball to end off the show. We got the non-conference schedule, VZ, that you wanted to give us a rundown on, and it doesn't seem to be so special. It doesn't seem to be too exciting. This is quite literally the definition of mid. This is bad. Um, starting off with Kennesaw State, who was really good last season, uh, but their head coach left for USF, who Florida State does play later in the year. Um, you're playing three Atlantic Sun teams and I think three power conference teams in total. So just, it it's a mess. You know, Florida's going to be pretty good this year. 
I think they're in their second year under Todd Golden. That's going to be a pretty, pretty good bar for where Florida State is. You know, that's in the second week of the season. Then you get George in the ACC-SEC challenge. The Sunshine Slam was underwhelming. You know, you start off with UNLV to start that tournament, and then you end up playing either Colorado or Richmond. Richmond's a solid team. Colorado's nothing special. UNLV was fine last year. I was pleasantly, somewhat pleasantly surprised to see SMU, but they were just as bad as Florida State was last year, so that will be a slugfest. Uh, and then you close off non-conference with North Florida, Winthrop, and Lipscomb. It's just kind of a brutal slate. Nothing to really get excited for. Although that first game against Kennesaw State does come the same weekend as the Miami football game. So a little doubleheader action there. Uh, but yeah, not, not too much to talk about. Really providing the fans with some incentive to pack the tuck. I mean, they did it to themselves. Florida State doesn't leave the state of Florida for the entire non-conference slate and only leaves Tallahassee three times and two... Two of those will be neutral sites. So they said, "Yeah, let's uh, let's try to let's try to uh, uphold our record as much as possible." Yeah, you you can tell that uh, they really needed that money for the new football facility. So they were like, "Basketball, just <laughs> you're staying in state." Yeah, I, I was happy to see SMU, and then I looked at the record. And I'm like, "Oh man, ten and twenty-two. Ooh, <laughs> it's just one of those." Yikesies. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Appreciate everybody tuning in. If you're still on YouTube, got like 150 still hanging out with us. If you would hit that like button, it helps a ton. It would appreciate it a big time. Uh, we're getting close to really doing some wild numbers on YouTube. So appreciate everybody coming over here and hanging out with us before this season even begins. So thanks, guys. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, make sure you subscribe on all those platforms so you get notified every time we release a new episode. We will be back live next Wednesday at 7 p.m., one week closer to us previewing Florida State versus LSU, which I'm stoked for. We'll hopefully have our network partner from our LSU site come on here and give us some good insight of what's going on, what's been happening at fall camp, and also give his prediction on what is to come. After last year, he did predict the LSU Tigers to get over them. Put, kind of put on a little bit of a show on Florida State last year, but went the reverse and Seminoles came up on top. I'm interested to see if he's going to have the same take or not from our guy, Zach Nagy. So we'll have him on soon to preview that game. But yeah, appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening and we will talk to you guys next week on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Peace. Same color t-shirt Mama told me uh, Not to sell work